video game obsessed minds need to know. <coughs> yeah. We need to know these things. Because if it's something, you know, if it's the sort of, if it's like Call of Duty or something, I'm uh, No, I'm into my city builders at the moment. Yeah. I'm good for those, you know? Yeah. I'm I'm kind of enjoying playing Rome too. I mean I I do wish I could do it without all the sort of conquering and slaughtering. But you kinda can't. But you kinda can't. And the trouble is, most of the city builder games set in that time period tend to be a bit rickety these days you know yeah it's still good though they, they're all they're good they are good they're good fun i just i don't know i just i just i just feel like i want something a bit more well flashy graphics to be honest because i'm shallow you want the graphics of guild wars 2 yeah and the mechanics engine of children of the nile yeah mm. only with romans instead of egyptians Still I don't mean. mind Egyptians, don't get me wrong. Egy <laughs> yeah. Egyptians, you know, ancient Egypt is fine in its place. Mm -hmm. um, you know, these gods are old and powerful. Yeah. Um, but I just, I like me Rome. I'm sorry, I can't help it. No, I'm with it's, you. It's my thing. I know. I know it's your thing and I'm with you. But uh, but still, I mean, yeah, and, and of course there are plenty of other games as well. I mean, you know. But there's the odd one or two. You can't go wrong with a bit of cyberpunk. It's never really been my thing. No, no, but I like me a bit of Diablo three. I used to. Mm, like me a bit of Diablo three. Like me a bit of a city builder every now and again. I you used know. I used to very much enjoy Diablo three. And well, then like the graphics on Guild Wars two. And then Linux went lol nope. And We're that was working. the end of that was We're the end of Diablo three for me. We're working on it. We are, but I haven't got very much brain. This yeah, is the problem. It's still good. And uh, you ask for help on a Linux forum. How do I do such a thing? It's like, well, if you don't already know how to do that thing, then you're not clever enough to be asking us advice on this forum. Begone peasant tends to be the sort of... And that's not fair, actually. I got some really good replies the last time with the last forum I asked, but mm -hmm. none of them have helped. <coughs> they were helpful, but they didn't help. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. it does. Yeah, so I'm just feeling bitter and spiteful. Anyway... Would you like to do a Frithcast? Let's do that. Okay. Um, do you want to do music now and get started with everything after the music, or because we don't, we know we normally do like something of a cold open, you know? We do. Um, and I, if you wanted to, we could skip it and you skip all the sort of preamble and the talky talky stuff <clears throat> and just go straight in with the music and just go straight into it. We could if you wanted to do that. Let's do that. Are you happy to do that? Yeah. Okay. So if I put the music in, like in, a, in you know, like imminently, and that will yeah. save. Our lovely listeners from having to listen to us rambling on. Let's do that. Yeah? Yeah, a bit okay. of a different thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Um, nothing else you want to say before we do the music? <laughs> Not that I know of. Let's do the music then. All right. <laughs> And scene. No, that's what they say at the end, isn't it? It is. Okay. What what do they say at the beginning? I don't know. I've Action? Never, I've never done acting. 
Action. Action. Action will do. Yeah. Uh, okay. Action. Which one? That went well, didn't it? <laughs> of the tiger I assume that's what you're supposed to imitate isn't it the tiger imitate the action of the tiger really somebody said it I mean my whole class lost a camel this morning so action of a tiger is probably a good thing that's yeah. quite impressive it is who I mean who did imitating the action of the tiger was it Shakespeare mm. <clears throat> I've got it in my head it was one of these like kingly like rabble-rousing speeches that they do. They are pep talks before a battle. Okay. And they say... and all, But all, the problem is, all I can think of is um, Frankie Howard from that film years ago where he was playing, like, Robin Hood or somebody. No, he wasn't playing Robin Hood. He was playing somebody else who was with Robin Hood. And and, and he was uh, standing in front of a load of, a load of guys... And he said, imitate the action of the tiger. Beat, pause. And run like bloody hell. <laughs> and then they all legged it. I mean, yeah, if you're going you're gonna to be told to, then yeah. yeah. It was comedy, you know. Okay. For its time. Yeah. It was, it was like Frankie Howard doing... Proper comedy. You know, those super saturated sort of Saturday afternoon films that he used to do. Yeah, I remember those. Yeah, that yeah. Was, it was kind of kind of cool. Um, anyway, yeah, that's the action. Let's <clears throat> imitate it, rawr, and so on. It's pretty good. Thank you. I'm scared. I do my best. Wow. <gasps> Whoa. I'm 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 practically I've I'm practically half. I was gonna say half feline, but no, 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 no that 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 couldn't work. No, no. Um. Unless they spliced it in. Don't do it. Like Dark Angel. Spliced in cat DNA. Yeah. Made her a really good burglar. Didn't end well, though. Well, they got cancelled. Yeah. Probably just as well. The second season wasn't nearly so good. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> what are we talking about? Oh, do we, do we need to introduce ourselves? Let's do that. Okay. Do you want to start? Um, I usually do, you see. Well, I, I can do. Um... Hello, lovely listeners. Welcome to Frithcast, episode 140-something. Eight. Eight. Welcome to Frithcast, episode 148. Um, my name is Kate, and I am your coffee-powered, druid-esque host. Um, so, uh, Co-host, I mean, uh, because I am not as important as the other <laughs> host. <laughs> Who will introduce herself in a moment, but I'm going to take the opportunity to say welcome to the virtual campfire. Gather round, huddle up, warm your knees, grab a drink of choice, something about biscuits. We've got some. You may need to fight off a hedgehog or two. Well, you know, they get all enthusiastic. They do. They they get very possessive about the biscuits. They do. I know that. Shortbread. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I would like to introduce my Lovely co-host and and like chief bod of Frithcast. <laughs> would you like to introduce yourself for the listeners? I would love in to case introduce myself they for the listeners. have absolutely no idea what the hell they're listening to. Oh wow, are they in for a roller coaster? Yeah. Ooh, hello, lovely listeners. I'm Suzanne Martin. I am a heathen with a head full of stuff. Some of it 
is occasionally useful. <laughs> I'm dredging some bits up for you in today's episode, so I'm kind of hoping that I get it right and that my brain is not just creaked and the wheels fallen off somewhere, you know? I mean, it's the internet. If we get it wrong, somebody's <laughs> going to tell us. Probably. <laughs> they will delight in doing so, I am sure. Probably so. Um, what? 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 I'm making way for you. It's your podcast. Get off. You... Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. I know the Latin for this. Gerai. Gerai. <laughs> I'm going to put it in a language you understand. Get right. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate your You're welcome. Um, accommodating me. Um, <laughs> um, but it is still your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, um, we don't really have much of a pattern as a rule. No. We kind of, like things occur to us that, are, that we think are, are quite interesting to us. And we yeah. hope they might be interesting to the, you lovely listeners as we, well. Yeah, we kind of come want to come around the virtual campfire and tell you about a new random shiny thing that has surfaced in the general mire of my brain. Squirrel! Um, squirrel! <gasps> shiny thing. <laughs> so I squirrel would... in armour. You know what they're like around here. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I do. <laughs> it's our virtual chain, campfire. Chainmail. Of course the squirrels are wearing chainmail. Chainmail. Squirrels can't wear plate because it'd be hell when they're trying to like, climb trees. Well, and to be fair, chainmail's not much easier. Run along branches. Chainmail's a bit more flexible, though. It is a little bit. Yeah. You know, give me a little bit of fish scale and leather and that's fine. I was going to say, maybe they have maybe they have like, leather studded armour. Yeah. Or studded leather armour, I suppose, would make more sense. Yeah, still, I mean, flexibility, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lamellar. Lamellar? Mm. Lorica segmentata. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta do it. I mean, if they don't kind of get bits of fur trapped in the bits, you know, you'd end up with spiky bits out the... Oh, you would. Oh, Ooh, yeah. you get no. tufts. You would. Tufts of fluff. That might not be so good. Ouch, that's yeah. going to hurt. Let's not go there. Yeah, no. I mean, it'd be the same with chainmail, to be honest. It probably would. You'd have something on underneath it, though, wouldn't you? I mean, they'd, they'd be wearing, like, a little tunic. Oh. Or, or a little... What do you call those? Ah, um, oh, I know what they're called. And they're in... And they're French. They're like a like an under thing that you wear. That's like a padded under thing that you wear. Boudoir. A boudoir. Yes, they'd be wearing a boudoir. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely what they'd be wearing. Okay. Um, now I've got a very distinctive image in my head <laughs> <laughs> of a squirrel in chainmail with a boudoir. With under a it. boudoir. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Of course. I like I it. Why is there a squirrel in chainmail in my boudoir? At least it wasn't a bee day. No. Please, could you send for the hall porter? There appears to be a frog in my B-Day. Wow. See, I should be able to do that in Esperanto, really, but no. No, not yet. Um, Working on it. Something about a rano in Mia Bideo. It would have to be. Anyway. Please do, go on. Yes. Rocks. 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 Yes. We're going to be talking about rocks. 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 We are talking the uh, mineral <laughs> mass, like the stone thing. Yeah. Rather than the giant terrifying bird. Yeah. Okay, cool. So yeah, lump of stone rock. Didn't think that sounded Not very Viking. Really to be big ostrich flightless bird nommy thing rock. Oh, they weren't for flightless. I saw them on was it Jason? I saw them in stop motion anyway. They were pretty oh. terrifying when I was like yo years old. To be fair, stop motion is pretty terrifying. Yeah. In a good way. It's groovy though. Mm-hmm. I wish they'd more films like that these days. 
Anyway, go on. Rocks. rocks. What do we know about rocks? Rocks. I want to... Um, is it weird to say I want to stick a pin in rocks? I mean, it might... And move on to a particular... I mean, it might be It might be a little futile. Starting point. For today's... Pin. I know. Starting point. Well, just do the equivalent of sticking a pin in a rock. Okay. We're going to save that bit till later. Okay. I want to talk about the Gerdrup grave, which is in the Netherlands. The Gerdrup grave, okay. Gerdrup What's a crampon? It's like an oven of out, isn't it? I just wondered if it was something. I, if it was one of those things that you stick in. Doesn't matter. Gerdrup grave yes, in the Netherlands. In the Netherlands. And it's in, if you're thinking about the Netherlands, it's kind of in the most westernmost bit of the Netherlands. Sort of down the bottom left-hand corner there. Yeah, the bit that's mostly water. Mm -hmm. That's where this particular place is, Gerdrup. Okay. And in 1981, which apparently is a very long time ago now, which is very scary, 1981, they excavated a double inhumation grave now we've talked about inhumation graves before mm -hmm. this is a double inhumation grave so this is where the person as a whole person is put in the grave rather than cremation burial where they will cremate somebody put the remains in an urn and then bury the urn okay so this is a double inhumation grave which means we have two people that makes sense in this lovely grave site so it's a good name for it in that case it is so in this slightly, uh, I hate to say slightly odd because it's in a what it's in a class of what is commonly known as deviant burials. Okay. So we know that there are accepted burial practices for the time. Yeah. But every now and again, you get a burial that's just WTF. Just out of the way. Something is not quite normal. Is, is not running in the same accepted patterns. Okay. However, that only works when you've got a set of very strict prescribed guidelines for how you bury people. I'm just thinking and I maybe I may, I may be just it maybe just cuz I've got a one one track mind and I'm 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 always sort of, you know, thinking um BJ581 yeah, we're going to get to that. We discussed, yeah? Yes. I think we've yeah. we, we looked at that in a previous episode, didn't we? The, yeah. We did, yeah. So this is a category of what's known as deviant burials, but deviant burials only work if you've got a very strict set of burial practices, so it's very easy to tell what's out of the norm. Okay. So if you take... Ah, the exception proves the rule. The exception proves the rule. All right. If you take a Christian community... Yep. And you have somebody who um, completes suicide or somebody who is a murderer, you can't bury them inside the churchyard. According to that, According those to doctrines. That, that doctrine, that community, you can't, you've got to bury them because yeah. you can't kind of leave them out on the surface. Yeah. But you can't bury them in the graveyard, in, in the, the sanctified space. We're doing, we're doing a little bit better these days at separating those two in moral terms. Yes. Fortunately, but, but uh, yeah, there, back, there in, back in the day. certain people who were not allowed to be buried in the sacred space. Yeah. In the way that other members of that Christian community would have been able to be buried. Yeah. So in that case, you've got very distinctive 
class of what they call deviant burials. Okay. Because there's that very strict prescribed set of burial conditions yeah. for Christians and for early Christians that they will follow. Yeah. Deviant burials, the concept of a deviant burial doesn't work so well when you have a huge variation in burial practice. Because then it gets really tricky to figure out what is deviant burial practice and what's just a riff variation jazz theme on the normal burial practice. The idea becomes a little bit unstuck when you're dealing with things like burials in the Viking Age because there is so much variation okay. in how and where and with what rituals people are buried, yep. with what items people are buried with. There isn't that very strict prescription, social prescription about how a burial is taking place. Mm and therefore how an individual should be interred. So in this case, you have a double inhumation burial excavated in 1981. It's dated to around the 9th century, which is bang smack when we've got Viking Age in the Netherlands. Yep. It's got a needle case, uh, a box with iron needles in. Okay. And it's got a spear. Ah. Yeah. You see... All the way up to that point, yeah, you were you see, happy with it, weren't you? You see, straight away there, I was going, okay, you know, um, uh, very very gender roles, needle case, probably a woman. Yeah. See, one of them yeah. is a woman, the other one is a man. That makes me quite itchy saying that, but I'm, I'm, doing, his, I'm doing history. I know. I'm I doing know. history. Yeah, so we've talked about... But then we've got the spear. We've got a spear, and it's laid next to her, not next to him. Okay. It's not even between the two of them, it's down her side, not next to him. Right. So between the two of them as well, you've got either the remains of goats' skulls or sheep skulls, probably two of them. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of them left. And there's a couple of really interesting things about this particular um, inhumation, this particular burial. It's In the modern landscape, it's not near the coast or a waterway. However... In the landscape of the time, it would have been near a ford. Okay. And it was such that every morning when the excavators came to excavate the grave, it would it had waterlogged because it's under the waterline. Oh, wow. All so right. So they dug it in a very specific place. So it's kind of like an, an Oak Island kind of deal going yeah. on. Yeah. So you've got to kind of bail the place out, do your excavations for every single minute of that day that you can. Yeah. And then when you leave the site, you come back the following morning, it's then underwater again. So you've wow. got to bail it out and do all over again and race against the water coming in. So, And they say archaeology <clears> isn't <throat> tense. Ugh. They don't say that, yeah, your knees I don't think anybody who's you, to ever had anything to do with archaeology no. has ever said that. So there's a couple of graves here that date to the Viking period. And there's Grave A, which is a cremation burial. Okay. And from the... Bone fragment dating, that's dating to around AD 885 to 990. Mm -hmm. So it's around about then, 9th yep. century. Grave B is the one we're interested in. That's the double inhumation burial. Right. So let's go with the chap first. He's 35 to 40 years old. Okay. Which isn't so bad. Not a bad age. Yeah. So he's got a worn iron knife that's yep. buried with him, but no other grave goods. Now, the really interesting thing, there's a couple of really interesting things about his bones. One of which is his ankles are crossed and his knees are splayed out, which indicates that his ankles were probably tied 
Okay. When he was buried, there's no trace of fibre or rope or anything else around the bones because, of course, it's gone. Yeah. But his ankles are very clearly to completely together where the rest of his bones aren't. So he, they've also concluded that his neck was probably broken by hanging because the cervical vertebrae in his spine and his neck are separated in such a way that they can tell he's probably killed by being hung. Hanged. Right. Hanged. 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 Yep. Yeah. So they can probably tell he was killed by being hanged and the likelihood is he had his feet tied while they were doing it. So, on to the lovely lady who is the second one of our pair. Indeed. She is middle-aged, so she's a little bit older than he is. Mm -hmm. Given they've examined her pelvis and determined that she gave birth at least once. Okay. Because pelvis is one of the you places can, you, you can, can do tell that. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> she's also got an iron knife. She's got this um, needle box that the iron needles in. Yeah. She's also got an iron spearhead laid down the length of her right leg and the socket still had traces of the wood in it. Okay. Which is quite nice. Mm. If you want to get all fancy and technical, it's a Peterson's type E. The spearhead? The spearhead, right, not the okay. leg. The leg is not a Peterson's type E. What do we? What does that tell us? I mean, what's, what are the characteristics? Um, well, it's a, a style of spearhead... Peterson got all excited and basically categorised styles of spearheads. Right. I mean, this is scientist. You have to you have to hold them <clears> back, or they'll just categorise things. They he got very excited. He categorised all the things, and he basically looked at the styles of spear as they came in and went out of fashion, and we was able to date them to particular times in particular places. Okay. So this is his one of his spearheads, Type E, yep. which is 9th century, early 10th. Okay. So that bang smack when the bones oh, are. That's that's our that's our sort of peak peak Viking for that's, want of a better. That's our our peak Type E mm -hmm. is is there. There's another really interesting thing about her positioning in the grave. She's got stone. Do you remember we talked about stones right at the beginning? We mentioned rocks. Yeah. She's yeah. got three really big rocks. On top of her. Well, technically Ooh. two on top and one's probably rolled off. But you can gather those should have been three. There would have been three on her. Okay. So she's got a 40 kilogram rock on her chest. Holy beans. Right. She's got... There's a 20 kilogram rock that was probably placed on her waist but is now on the side. So they've theorised that it was put on but it rolled off. Yeah. And on her legs is a 75 kilogram rock. More beans. Big, solid, rocky beans. 75 kilograms? Yeah. Crikey. 75 kilograms on her legs, 40 kilograms around about on her chest, and a 20 kilogram one between the two, probably somewhere around her pelvis or on her waist. I, I realise that you're, you're, you're going to be like explaining all this and, and what they think and so forth, but I'm just going to run ahead a little bit and ask... Is this? Are we looking at like a, I don't know, whatever the equivalent of a, of a vampire was? I mean, are we are we worried? Are we thinking people are worried she's going to get up and start walking around again, and no. that's why they're trying to hold her down, or is it? That's where it gets really fun. Okay. Because, yeah, there's a couple of theories on why we we find burials with rocks in. Sometimes we find burials with 
rocks on the body, like in this case. Yeah. And they've theorised that the stones were placed directly on the body because there's very little soil or fill between the rock and the bones. Yeah. So it, as it's as the the flesh is decomposed, the bones have collapsed. The rock's just gone down with them. Yeah, that would. Yeah, I can see yeah. that. So. There's a couple of theories, and that's where they really start having fun, is why on earth do you put big rocks on somebody when they're being buried? Well, I was thinking about the dude as well. I mean, I know you said, you know, that when they when they stretched the poor lad... I say poor lad, I don't know what he'd done. He could have been monstrous, for all I know. Anyway, the point is, they hanged him. They did. And I know you said that they might have tied his feet for that process, mm-hmm. which is something that I know people used to, you know, they used to do to people. mm but is it possible that they they tied his feet to stop him moving? I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm kind of clinging to this thing because it's my. Well, let me add another piece to your puzzle. Go on. They did DNA analysis on these two people. Right. They are related. Oh. They are genetically related to each other, and the likelihood is that the woman is the mother of the man. Oh. Mm. Okay. Oh. And he's 35 to 40. They understand that she is the maternal DNA pattern that they've assessed is also present in his sample. So she is his likely his mum. That will be a mitochondria <laughs> then. Yeah. 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 See, I know, I know, I know all about that. I've heard all about the mitochondria. <laughs> That's that's the the, the, the the sort of mum mum side, isn't it? It is. Is where you get your mitochondria from. It is. Yeah. So just adding a little bit more around this, the site that these two are in mm-hmm. is a place where there are burials from other time periods. So this place has been used as a, a, a depository, a grave space for quite a considerable time. Okay. There's one Iron Age grave, two Bronze Age graves, and a late Neolithic double grave also in the vicinity of this pair. Okay, those are all before our yeah. Viking Age, aren't yeah, they? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I knew Neolithic was. <laughs> I, I was fairly sure Bronze Age was. Yeah, yeah, it is. Neolithic, New Stone Age. Yes. Yeah. As opposed to Mesolithic, the Middle Stone Age, yeah. or the Paleolithic, the Old Stone Age. Yeah. Do you know how long it? I was uh, quite a few today years old before I figured that one out for myself. <laughs> Sat in my lecture <clears throat> at university, going, "Oh, oh, I get it." <laughs> took me quite a while. That's all I'm going to say. Took me quite a while. So there's been a little bit of talk about the spear that's in this grave. Yep. A bit of discussion about it, and Gardella proposed in 2009, I think, that it was the a vulva staff not a spear oh okay and together with the big rocks it indicated that she was a sorceress a magic user as somebody who did things right thing but price rejected the idea that it was a vulva staff because we've got examples of staffs yeah like metal distaffs and Staffs that are broken or ritually killed before they go into a grave. Mm-hmm. This is very distinctly a spear point, yeah. not a vulva staff. So he rejected that. And it kind of then goes into, well, why are you burying a woman with a spear? But there's a, a, a literary reference in Erbiger's saga, mm. chapter 20, that looks at 
the sorceress Catler and her son, who were killed after misdeeds. The man was hung, the woman was stoned, and they were buried in a lonely, desolate place. I mean, I'm inclined to say... I know, right? <laughs> it's like, how close can you get? It's right there in Erbega's saga. Yeah. But... So, are we are we thinking this is who we're looking at, then? Um, I really hope not, because otherwise we've just let a sorceress out and about again. Because we took the rocks Eight. off. It's fine. What harm can come from reading a book? Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I mean... You know, it's. I don't. I don't <clears throat> think. I don't think there's ever been any stories ever told of you know somebody messing around with with a, a burial or an inhumation or you know somebody having been bricked up somewhere or you know a sarcophagus, for example. Yeah, that's because your sexual orientation is the entire cast of the Mummy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Good gods. I know, right? It's like, oh, it's suddenly got very warm in oh, this room. Oh, just a tad. <laughs> <sighs> so. Anyway, you were talking about things other, other than the cast of the mummy. I was. So, there is that one reference in Erbega Saga to a very specific type of burial. Yeah. Which happens to be what we've got mirrored in this double burial in the Netherlands. That is quite intriguing. Uh, it is, it is. And it's so, there was this kind of rumble about the spear being a staff. Mm -hmm. um, there is another, now then, Price has been talking uh, a lot about grave goods not necessarily just being an assemblage of items that belong to the deceased but representing the ritual that happens at burial okay and he's talking about that because he's talking about not bj581 yeah but bj834 okay where you have a man and a woman sitting in in layers on a chair lots of shiny grave goods and there's a spear in the grave and it's in a very specific place. It's not just been placed in the grave or laid down in the grave, but the angle that it's at seems to suggest that it was thrown into the chamber All and right. the point is at an angle where it's hit the floor at an angle. Mm. So he's then saying, well, maybe the spear that's in this grave was the same. Maybe the spear was ritually thrown into the space. Okay. There isn't that much space in this double inhumation burial and it's quite it's not in a chambered grave or a tomb like a mound grave or anything like that it's in a very small space to get a spear in there there's only like 1.2 meters of space inside that so it's not enough for there to be a whole spear length in there okay so it could be that the spear was broken or it could be that it was thrown in and then the grave was backfilled and the spear shaft just ended up sticking out at an angle until the spear shaft rotted away because it was wood and the spear point in the earth ended up settling flat next okay. to her leg rather than on an angle. Yeah. So it kind of opens up this question on, you know, deviant burials with rocks in. And as going back to this theme of we used to identify gender of the occupant by how we interpreted the grave goods that were with them. Yep, yep. But 
there are shed loads of graves that have mixed goods. So Grave BB on Langerland had a young woman buried with a battle axe. <clears throat> All right, okay. You've got BJ581, the big one. Yeah. Yeah? The 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 person who was found buried with with masses of, of, of items uh, yeah. which all pointed to them being a a, a high-ranking military yeah. person, a, 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 a strategos or somebody, whatever the mm. Viking equivalent was, like a general or whatever it might be. And subsequently they were discovered to be chromosomally female. Yeah. Which... And all that, just the ripples from that are still carrying on, yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so Peterson has tracked... Um, 18 burials where you've got the oval brooches mm-hmm. and you've also got weapons in the same space. Not just like little iron knives, but proper full-sized weapons. Yeah. Um, Borch Nielsen did a study of 984, nearly a 1,000 Viking Age burials and found that 25% of them have really big rocks in. Okay. So it's like either 25? 25%, 24.5 if you want to get really technical. Wow. So this happens on a in a quarter of that, that, at least of that sample. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that's a thousand graves in a quarter of them. There are rocks in the backfill or actually deliberately placed on the body like we have here. Right. Okay. So that either indicates that a quarter of the known population <laughs> were... <laughs> were evil mages. <laughs> were evil mages, mwahaha, twiddle moustache. Yeah. Or they didn't want... Or they indicated something other than a, a magic user, a Seath Kona, a sorceress. Yeah. Um, they haven't done a lot of study about what grave goods are found in these graves, what orientation they are, what gender they think they are, because that's a fraud You can't thing. tell orientation from... I know. As in north, south, east, west. Oh, not, sorry. Not boy, girl. <laughs> it's whatever. The it's entire fine. cast of the mummy. <laughs> the entire cast of the mummy. So, <laughs> so they haven't... They're still looking at, hopefully, doing future further research into these graves with rocks in. The Mummy 2 was the one with the kids in, wasn't it? Yeah. Do you want to be clear on that? Yeah. yeah. But they both had Anarchs on the Moon. The Mummy 2 was the one with the London buses. Yeah. Yeah. It was all right. It was fun. It was entertaining enough. Yeah. So, yeah. Bit of a mad tour today of mm. burials with rocks in. So, specifically looking at the Girdrup grave, this double inhumation with three really big rocks in it. Mm-hmm. But also then it widens out into considerations of like are grave goods just the assemblage of that person's belongings or are they representative of ritual in the burial process yeah they're very specifically chosen objects with very specific meaning if you like they're either being destroyed at point of burial they're being taken out of circulation at point of burial so they're no longer in society Mm. They cannot continue on. A sword cannot be passed down generations if it's buried. True. Although there are instances of people going into graves and getting a sword back out and it carrying on going again. Well, I, I, I suppose. I mean that that ends up in um, that ends up in Tolkien stuff, doesn't it? Yeah. With because doesn't don't, well, if you've don't... got Orchrist and Glandring, they obviously had a life before they ended up in the Troll Horde. That's it. It was the trolls, wasn't it? Yeah. And then yeah. you know the the. The dwarves come along and pick them up and off they go again. Yeah. So, yeah, it feels like I like Price's theory around objects 
being not just an assemblage collection of belongings. Yeah. They're very much chosen by the living as objects of value to accompany the deceased. But we don't know what values are assigned to them. It's whether it's, you know, a traditional thing, whether it's an absolute thing, whether it's a Ooh, I found my grandfather's sword. If I put that in this burial, this guy can take it to my grandfather for me. I'm reminded of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I think to some extent it may well be a an actual real world tradition, which I am not familiar with. So I am entirely speaking from computer game terms. And if this is a... You know, if this is a, a, a tradition that is familiar to any of our lovely listeners, I'm, I'm literally only talking about as it's represented in the game. Mm-hmm. But in Cyberpunk, mm-hmm. there is a point in the plot where one of the characters, uh, one of the, the, the sort of main characters at that point, has been killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and a ceremony is held for them by a family member. And it's called an ofrenda. Okay. And essentially, it's a sort of a, it's a kind of a sort of funeral wake send off kind of thing, mm-hmm. where a sort of a, I don't want to say an altar necessarily, but like a sort of a shrine, a kind of a thing is set up for for the person and the, their friends and their family, all come along and they have each has a, a few minutes to stand up and say something about the person, but they all have an item with them. They all have something that they've selected. Mm-hmm. Each each person who's attending the the, the thing has brought something that means something to them. And it might not be something, as you say, it might not be something that the deceased owned. Mm-hmm. It might be something that, you know, uh, is, is just a memory of that person. And I'm, it sounds from what you're saying is that it might be a similar sort of idea. It's like, you know, if you imagine everybody sort of gathering around with something mm. that meant, you know, and as you, and as you say, there's no way for us a thousand years further on to sort of look at the remnant items and say, oh, yes, well, that would have been such a thing because it would have been entirely personal to the relationship between yeah. the surviving person and the person in the grave. Yeah. And it, it just sounded like a similar... Incredibly personal. Mm. And, again, the values that that culture holds or held, we can only guess at by the remains of the rituals that they leave us behind. Mm, mm. And there is nothing else. There is no other way we can tell apart from, you know, we get the occasional written record yeah, or we get the the aftermath of a funeral yeah. and we have to try and figure out what on earth went on yeah. and how it was done. So I like Price's theory that what we're seeing in a grave assemblage is not just a collection of objects that were owned by the deceased, but they were ones, it was a very carefully orchestrated assemblage with things put in precise positions. They were put there and nowhere else. Okay. But again, like his spear through the chamber wall, it could be part of the actions at the funeral Mm -hmm. rather than just the deposition of goods in a space. So... So we're not going with vampires then. No, not this time, huh? Okay, fair enough. No, but thanks for clarifying that. I just that's good. You know. Yeah. I bring what I can. I know you do. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Lovely listeners, we're going to leave you with that mind-expanding thought of how on earth do we tell? Oh, we can't, but it's always good to pull it apart a little bit and mm-hmm. see what we can find out. Again, we will put all the notes in the show notes. If you want to go and have an explore of this stuff for yourself, you can. If you want to find us online, you can. 
You can. You can. It's awesome. Mm. So if you want to find us online, my name's Suzanne Martin. I am on Facebook under that name, or you can find me on Twitter or on my blog at Geetha in Jeans. And should you want to find me for any reason, I am on Facebook, uh, Kate Coldwind. Just uh, drop me a friend request or a message or what have you. While you're on Facebook, you can have a quick search for Frithcast Pod, and that will lead you to our little page there. There's a, there's a group, Facebook group attached to that, and within there you will find a link to our Discord server. Uh, our virtual virtual campfire yeah where you will be i don't know why i always emphasize it like that virtual virtual campfire should be our virtual virtual campfire eh, whichever where you can come and join us and meet some groovy groovy folks that are in there already uh warm your knees and so on yeah come and have a chat it's yeah. all good come and stop by say hello come and talk to us about this stuff it's great yeah yeah so, lovely listeners, thank you very much for joining us for this episode. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks for episode 149. 149. I know, right? Crikey. I know. How fast are these going? I know. Ah. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.